This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. And enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Live from Mercury Studios in Dallas, it's Doc Thompson, pinch hitting for Glenn Beck today. Happy Thanksgiving and thanks so much for joining us. I'm also going to be filling in the day after Thanksgiving, so that's coming up Friday. And I got some really cool news about Friday. I am going to give away commercials. I'm going to give commercials away to your business, your friend's business, whoever's willing to call up as part of my commitment to build America. That's what we have to do. We've got to make our personal economy stronger. So Friday, make sure you're here. Tell your friends and family about it right now. You call up. I'm going to give you a free minute of airtime. It could be a nonprofit if you want to promote that. If you want to promote it, it's got to be yours. And you tell your story, your product, have your website information ready, prepare that minute, and call up Friday morning on this program. we got a lot of stuff to get to today. A little bit later on, celebrity chef Patrick Mosier is going to join us, and he's going to have some food fails for Thanksgiving. Now, if you've ever seen on Instagram how they... They show you the pictures of what they went to create or tried to create and then what they actually created, and it's a big failure. Well, it's kind of like that, but this isn't a failure of execution so much as a failure of idea or concept because if you've ever gone to a relative's house, especially like a distant relative or maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend's house, and you're like, what is it you eat? What is this? I know you're from Liechtenstein. Is this some sort of delicacy? Because this seems like a fail right off. Anyways, we'll get to that coming up. But first, we got a bunch of news to get to. And I hope you will think about these different stories that I'm going to present. Maybe as something that you're going to have to share or not share on Thanksgiving with your relatives. Because, you know, a lot of times you get together with the relatives and you're like, well, I can't say this because they're going to get all ticked off. Or maybe if you're like, Me, you say, I want to say this because I want to tick some people off. First up, a bunch of Donald Trump news. Now, as many of you may know, I did not support Donald Trump. I understand why a lot of people did. I don't blame them for supporting Donald Trump. I wish him well, and I have high hopes for him. I think he's actually going to do a bunch of good things. So he has some really good things he's come out with and some failures, and we're going to get to a bunch of them right now. First up, Stephen Bannon, his advisor is going to lead the effort to bring down government workers, the, the, the number of government workers, bring the number of them down because there's too many. Within the first 100 days, Trump says he's going to freeze hiring, and he's also going to replace employees who are leaving, people that are retiring or taking other jobs. So he's not going to replace those. So first of all, you freeze hiring, and then people who leave, you're not going to replace them. That'll automatically slowly bring it down, and he doesn't need the help of Congress to do that. He can do that through executive order, and that's going to be the first step. Then they're going to work with Congress and to try to pass legislation to alter the benefits packages 
and make it a little bit easier to fire some federal workers. I don't know if you know this about government workers, but it is virtually impossible to get fired. I mean, you could, you could theoretically kill a coworker and not get fired. They get more holidays than the average private sector worker, and they make more money with almost complete job security. The steps they have to go through to get fired is incredible, and they're going to address that. And I say, good for you, Donald Trump. Good for you, Stephen Bannon. Go. Cut those number of, of, of uh, government workers across the board. And by the way, we shouldn't just be doing that at the federal level. We should be doing it at the state level and at your local level as well. Come on. You don't think there's waste? Have you been to a government office? Have you, have you flown? Have you seen the TSA workers? I'll bet a lot of you are flying or have already flown for the holiday. Did you go through TSA? How are the lines? Because almost universally, when I go to t- through TSA, the lines are backed up, the people are unpleasant, the experience is bad, and I see all kinds of people in pretend uniforms, because let's face it, they're not really officers, they're just pretending to be. They have little sewn-on badges. I see a lot of them just standing around BSing. And I'm thinking, you know, hey, um... Maybe this line wouldn't be backed up if you, standing there, would come over here and start screening some people. How about the DMV? You been to the DMV? How are the lines there? And I'm sure at the DMV you see everybody working hard, right? That's a pleasant experience. So let's start cutting down those number of uh, government workers. According to the Cato Institute, federal workers make a little bit more than private sector workers when there is a direct comparison to jobs. What percentage more do they make than the average worker? What do you think? 20%? They make 40% more? Really? You think they make 60? 78% more than the private sector worker. Yeah, we can start getting rid of some of these people and start bringing the pay down. At least make it easier to fire them when they've screwed up. They get better benefits and more time off. Now, Jason Chaffetz, the representative from Utah... He said that he's going to push through changes in the retirement benefits, first of all, for government workers. And he wants to shift from what they currently have to a 401k-style program when it comes to their retirement. That's just one of the things he wants to do. But, of course, there are people objecting to it. Not just the government workers, but the people who likely will have government workers vote for them in the future, like Gerald Conley, the representative from Virginia. He said, and I quote, What study are they citing saying that there are too many federal employees? Are you going to make a bunch of exceptions? In which case, uh, your plan looks like Swiss cheese. Um, I don't know about studies that say there's too many government workers, you know, versus what jobs you want done. But I know of one, the deficit, the, the debt. How about that? Look at the debt. We can't pay our bills. We got to cut somewhere. Ever run a business? What are your chief expenses? Almost universally, your number one expense is employees. You cut hours, you cut the employees. That's what you have to do. That's what the private sector has to do. So good for you, Bannon. Good for you, Donald Trump. Cut those federal employees. Now, one of the fails from Donald Trump. He's not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. I mean, Does anybody remember when Donald Trump said he was going to prosecute Hillary Clinton? Remember that? He said, if I win, I'm going to instruct my attorney general to get a special prosecutor to look into your situation because there has never been so many lies, so much deception. And just two weeks ago, he's elected president. 
And he says, I'm not going to prosecute her. He'll let the FBI do it. Why? She's already suffered greatly. I'm sorry. Because she's already suffered greatly. He doesn't want to hurt the Clintons, he said. He said she went through a lot and suffered greatly in many different ways. He said, it's just not something that I feel very strongly about now. I think it would be very decisive uh, divisive for our country. These are the reasons he's not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Now, remember, special prosecutor does not mean persecute. It means an investigation happens, and if there is true evidence, then the prosecution begins as far as like a trial and charges and everything else. That doesn't mean you're just going to lock her up. In fact, I'm one of the ones who said when people were saying lock her up, I called them out saying you've got to have an investigation, you have to have proof. And if you get it, then you prosecute, and then you sentence, and then, if that's part of it, you lock her up. So I wasn't saying go after Hillary Clinton unnecessarily, haphazardly, without the rule of law. On the contrary, I was saying follow natural procedure, the rule of law. That's what should happen here. Donald Trump was the one saying, lock her up, special prosecutor, I'm going to go after her. Then he gets elected and says, eh, she suffered enough. Suffered enough? Did she violate the law or not? And that's not your decision of whether or not she suffered enough. That's not your decision. That's a sentence. That's for a judge to decide. You as president do not get to say, hmm, she's suffered enough. That's enough punishment. You are supposed to follow the rule of law. And it's really ticking me off. And I want to know where you Trump supporters are in this. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. Are you ticked off about it? Because I am. And are you going to call him out on this stuff? Because I'm telling you right now, our next six months or year, two years, is going to be filled with questions about Donald Trump's administration like there are about every president. And I fear that you Donald Trump supporters are going to be just defending him even when it is indefensible. I didn't support him, but I've just told you of cases where he's doing the right thing, case by case, looking at it and saying, that's wrong or that's right. Are you going to do that? That's what I did throughout the Obama administration. Of course, people at MSNBC, people on the left, they thought I was just hating on Obama. Well, he's a black guy, so of course you got to be opposed to everything. It was case by case mistakes. I gave him credit on those rare occasions where it was due. But are you going to man up and call him out about this Hillary Clinton situation, even though you supported him? Is there something I'm missing on it? She suffered enough? Two weeks ago, he told you he was going to appoint a special prosecutor. Now, he doesn't feel that strongly about it. 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. It's Doc Thompson, pinch hitting today on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck. Yeah. Do you want to get away to beautiful Las Colinas, Texas? That sounds nice. Bask in an abnormally large concrete building? Sure, why not? With an inexplicable round window on top? Yeah. Have your shoulders massaged by a heavy breathing talk show host and his large manly-esque hands? Oh, well, I don't know about that. Great. What? Oh, it's okay. I don't. It will blow your mind. If you'll be in Texas and want to attend a taping of the Glenn Beck program, write us. Tickets at glennbeck.com. Massage not included. Lotion sold separately. Mercury. 
The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine. And they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn, $50 off the purchase of your mattress at casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. This is... The Glenn Beck Program. Okay. This is it. This is the moment where I say, I'm not sure we survived this. I am not. What, what did Glenn call it? He was a catastrophist? A catastrophist? I, I'm not the catastrophist. I'm usually pretty optimistic, but we may. this may be it. Did you hear my monologue? Did you hear me heap praise on Donald Trump? Somebody that I didn't support. Did you hear me? He prays on Steve Bannon. Go after those government workers. That's good. You're doing the right thing. Then you heard me question, how come he's not prosecuting, prosecuting Hillary Clinton? Calling him out for something he said he was going to do. Right? I think that's pretty reasonable, isn't it? Tweet from the Testarian at Tea Party Tempest. Just turned off at Doc Thompson's show. Sick and tired of the Trump bashing. A year of it was enough. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get beyond this? I, I, did they only come in at the point where I was saying, how come you're not prosecuting Hillary Clinton? And by the way, you think that was Trump bashing for saying, you said you would do this, now you're not doing this. And mind you, it's an issue that you and I both want. Hillary Clinton prosecuted. But that's Trump bashing? Have you lost your minds? We cannot have conversations about this. Is this the world we live in from now on? Is this the next four years of every time I say Donald Trump does something right or wrong? You're uh, Trump bashing, Trump bashing. It's going to be the point where I'm like, well, president did a good job. Oh, he did a good job. He didn't do a great job. Trump bashing. How dare you not say he did a great job? I know it was a great job. This is nuts. All right, 888-727-BECK. Let's go to Sam in North Carolina. How are you? Hey, Buck. How you doing this morning? This is so frustrating. How come I can't say when he does wrong? I mean, I'm being oh, reasonable. Go ahead and say it, man. Go ahead and say it. I'm with you. Hey, listen, uh, you talk about Trump bashing. Now, the tr- people who worry about Trump bashing need to really think about one thing, that if Donald Trump does not let the justice system work this out, Okay, it's only going to be a matter of time until Hillary Clinton and her supporters start saying that all through the election, all Trump was doing was grandstanding. He knew all along she was guilty. Oh, and that's going to come back to haunt this administration and every Republican who ever attempts to run for president again. And it'll probably be part of Chelsea Clinton's campaign talk. 
That's a really good point. This ends up hurting his cause down the road. That's that's real solid, Sam. Thank you so much for the uh, the support and the call this morning. I appreciate it. Um, you know, there's something else about this too. If you look at some of the other things that early on have been questions, and, and Donald Trump's first hundred days that he laid out, most of it I was like, right on. This looks great. A couple of concerns, but nothing where I was bashing him on. There were a couple things where he said, well, a wall or a fence. <laughs> wall or a fence now. Okay, I have some problems with that. You said you're going to build a wall. But I'm willing to ride that one out. I'll give you some benefit of the doubt. You're not even in office yet. You can't really do it. But you just said you're not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Rudy Giuliani said this of the decision. Look, there's a tradition in American politics that after you win an election, you sort of put things behind you. If that's the decision he reached, that's perfectly consistent with sort of the historical pattern of things, you know, come up and you say a lot of things, even some bad things might happen. Folks, this is not the historical precedent of two people opposed in an election, one gets elected and then doesn't use that office in a punitive way to punish their, their opponent. That's not what this is. This is an investigation about multiple allegations against Hillary Clinton, the Clinton Foundation, and everybody she knows while she was in office. If Hillary Clinton had not been Secretary of State and she was just a business person like Donald Trump, and Donald Trump came into office and said, hey, I know I said all those things on the campaign trail, but I'm not going to try to take down her business. I would say, yes, that's a good thing. That's the historical nature of this Rudy Giuliani. She potentially is a criminal. And the American people deserve transparency on all of those emails. And why can't we have it? Because it's an ongoing investigation? No, it's not an ongoing investigation now. Because she's suffered enough. The American people need to know. We need to see all of those information except the what is probably one half of 1% of truly national security issues. Give us the information. How come we can't get testimony, aside from the national security issues, that the members of Congress got? How come the members of Congress can't get all of the testimony that was given to the members of the FBI? We need this information. And Rudy Giuliani, you have exposed yourself as part of the problem because you're simply carrying water for a wrong situation. And why? Because you're still hoping to fill one of those cabinet seats. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to the Commonwealth of Virginia. Chris, what's happening in Virginia this morning? Hello, Chris. Hello. Hi there. Hello. Yes, Hello? you're on the air. Yes. Hello. Yeah, it's, um, um, well, I just want to say that I think it's all about justice, really. Um, it's not even about Trump bashing or, or ad hominem attack. It's really about justice, you know? The, the right and the wrong, and the right thing is to do is that she should be punished. She, Hillary Clinton did something wrong. She needs to be punished. If that's well, I mean, investigation first to prove the wrong, though, right? Well, I, I, I think it's, it's one of those things where you should follow through with what you said, you know? I think the vote, it's not about, you know, proving to the left anything. It's really about, it just shows you how desperate we are for a people of integrity. And if you say you're going to do something, follow through with it. That's what we voted for, you know? That's a simple gift to me. No, and I appreciate the call. You kind of touched on something really important there. That let's say I'm just bashing Trump today. Let's say I'm just a hater, and all I did was set out to bash him today. Let's say I was MSNBC or something. Does that mean some of what is said is not accurate? 
know, I think I think uh, you can make valid points sometimes, even even if you are a misguided person like the media is. We know the media is corrupt, that's for sure. Uh, All right. But I would say that that you know you can be misguided, but you can still make valid points. All right, Chris. Thanks so much for the call and support this morning. I appreciate it. It's eight 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 seven two seven B E C K eight 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 seven two seven Beck. Let me hear from you on this. Are you upset about it? Do you matter? Does it matter? Are you going to call Donald Trump out issue by issue? Are you going to say that one's wrong or, hey, that one's right? Are you going to take him that? That's what we have to be. Otherwise, you're going to simply be the same people that you have bashed for the last eight years who propped up uh, the Obama administration, even though he was doing wrong, or the people the eight years before that that propped up the George W. Bush administration when he did all kinds of wrongs. Your calls and tweets coming up. It's at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter. This is the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Doc Thompson in for Glenn today and Friday. Hope you're having uh, or planning a happy Thanksgiving and have plenty of things to be thankful for this year. We'll talk a little bit of that on Friday, and we're going to try to make your life a little bit better in the coming year. We're going to start on Friday, as I said, by giving you free commercials. So please let your friends and family members know that if they have a business, you call up Friday morning. We're going to give you a free commercial. We're going to, we're going to plug your business for you. And if you follow me on Twitter, at Doc Thompson Show, we'll be using the hashtag #BuildingAmerica. So then what will happen is if you hear something and you didn't get the web address, you're like, oh, I forgot what it was. You can go back later and just search Building America, the hashtag, and you'll see all of the stuff I tweeted out. And then if you have a business and you don't make it in, start using the hashtag Building America today, tomorrow, and Friday morning, and people are going to go there and search it, and you're likely going to get some exposure that way, too. I'm here to help you. Um, a little bit later on, we're going to talk some food fails this uh, Thanksgiving. But first, we've got to go back to the phones. It's 888-727-BECK in Texas. It's Tyler. How are you? Oh, it's Kyle. Kyle, rather. Hey there. Hey, so I was calling because uh, I heard your monologue earlier. I heard you talking about, you know, Steve Bannon and the jobs and getting rid of government positions, and it's great. And then I heard you talking about how uh, it seems like Trump is going back on his promise he made in the campaign to prosecute or to assign a special prosecutor for Hillary. And, um, and you know, I think that that's him going back on that now. And I think that that is a little disappointing. I'm a Trump supporter, and there's really not a lot more that I would, you know, love to see than Hillary prosecuted and put in jail, because I really believe she is guilty for all those things. But the thing is, um, for somebody to say that you are Trump bashing, I've heard, I've heard Trump bashing on this show, and it actually was, you know, I mean, it, it's pretty disappointing to hear, but what you were doing this morning was not Trump bashing. And Thank I you. I think that... Yeah, I mean, I think that voicing an opinion, I'm, it's a little disappointing, I mean, to hear Trump say what he's saying. You know, there might be reasons for what he's doing that we might never know. But the thing is, for somebody to voice their opinion and then be called out as a Trump basher by uh, by conservatives, does that make us any better than than the liberals when they're saying you're a racist, you're a xenophobe, all these things? I mean, 
we have to well, recognize well, that Trump and Kyle, is not- one of the mantras, one of the mantras of, of what we have said, one of one of the things that makes us us that we've said for decades now is that we are consistent, right? That we right. don't get caught up with agenda, whatever, or supporting somebody blindly. That's the reason a lot of people supported Trump because they didn't want the insider. Right. The you know, so hold people accountable issue by issue. That's all I'm right. saying. And I've given the guy a lot of credit. I think yeah, some exactly. of what he's doing is right on. Yeah, and I don't think anything that you said this morning was incorrect or anything like that. I'm, I'm a little disappointed to hear the news, you know. I mean, and if we can't recognize that our candidate said one thing and might not do it, you know, and then someone saying that, that doesn't make them a hater, you know. I mean, that if, we, if, we call, if I were to call you a Trump basher for saying what you said, I would be no different than the Democrats. They're spewing hate about us, about things that are not even true. Well, Kyle, thank you so much for the call and support. I appreciate it. I, I'm just hoping we can have these discussions in the future. That's my frustration with this. And stop saying, you didn't vote for Trump. Well, I sure as the hell didn't vote for Hillary. You think I supported that nutcase? I'm the one that marched with you on D.C. I'm the one that stood with you Tea Party members. I just have a different opinion on who I was going to vote for based on track record. You came to it with a different conclusion. But we have a lot of the same ideas. Let's take it issue by issue in the future. And after four years, we'll decide, was he a good president or not? Should we reelect him or not? I'm hoping in four years from now, I go, yes, I'm casting a vote for four more years. Because then it'll be track record. Show me. Show me what you got. I'm giving him credit, and I'm holding him accountable. Isn't that what you want from a host? And by the way, he said he's heard Trump bashing on this show. I'm going to be honest. I got really tired of hearing what was the truth about Trump from Glenn. I get really tired of it. I know where Glenn was coming from. I know Glenn. I have a pretty good idea what's in Glenn's heart. I know it's around his heart, a lot of fat, but I know it's in his heart too. And that is goodwill. Glenn genuinely is a good guy that tries to help people. And he, wrong or right, felt the calling to tell you ad nauseum every day about Donald Trump. It was not driven for money. Clearly, it's not been successful for him to call out Donald Trump financially. But I got sick of it. I got tired of it. I was thinking, Glenn, I know this. Please don't talk about Donald Trump today. Please don't do it. So I get where you're coming from. But now we're here. Let's take it issue by issue. Back to the phones we go. Let's go to New York. And Judy, how are you? Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. Are you upset about Hillary not uh, being prosecuted? Oh, I still have hope that that's going to happen. Um, hmm. I have a theory, but I'm not. If it is a true theory, I'm not sure that what Trump said was the best way to go about it. But he doesn't have the power to do anything right now. But Obama does have the power to pardon Hillary before January 20th. If Trump gets on his high horse and just says, "I'm going to prosecute," going to prosecute, Obama is going to pull that pardon ticket and. It's possible that Trump could never do anything. And he'll okay. make... Okay, so you think there's a possibility that Trump is playing chess in this whole thing, that he's, he's looking for several moves down the road here on how to get this thing done? It's definitely possible, but I, I think by him saying she suffered enough, I don't want to prosecute, I don't want to go forward, sets him up for, okay, you didn't tell us the truth, then you didn't tell us the truth, and now you're not telling us the truth. Which, you know what, I've had other people suggest maybe there's something else coming, and there, there could be after he gets uh, sworn in. That's, that's right. But 
he didn't necessarily have to say anything about her prosecution. Even if pe- exactly. people ask her, just go, you know, we'll deal with that down the road, FBI, whatever, and just exactly. move on. He didn't have to say it. But it, it, this is my concern, Judy, is his quotes, and this is it. And again, maybe it's long game. Maybe it's a chess match, but these quotes are disturbing. She suffered already. She suffered greatly. I don't want to hurt the Clintons. She went through a lot and suffered greatly in many ways. It's just not, not something I feel strongly about. I think we... Uh, it, it would be divisive for the country. Those are pretty disturbing comments. Well, they are, uh, and that's why I'm saying that he would be setting himself up for, you know, going back on something he said again if he does pursue it after January 20th. However, mm. he, he could, in a roundabout way, let the Department of Justice do their job and continue the investigation into the Clinton Foundation and... and um, and then maybe they'll come up with something after Trump is in office. And then they'll say, well, you know, they came up with this. I have to support it. They're the legal department. Um, Let, let's, let's hope that's what he's doing, Judy. I appreciate the call this morning. Let's hope for the best that after January 20th, there is a true investigation. We get the details. And if it does prove that Hillary Clinton violated the law, that she is punished for that. Let's hope that's how it ends up going. I just have some concerns about this. So you've seen the thing about the cast of Hamilton calling out Mike Pence and the back and forth, which is just insane that this is apparently is a, our new way of communicating via Broadway musical. So the actors come out and call somebody out, and then somebody tweets about it, and then somebody else stands up and yells F you at another show, and then they go on The View and talk about it. This is the way we communicate now. We've got the greatest communication capabilities in the history of mankind, and we do it via a Broadway musical. A 17, a 15, 1400s medium, <laughs> the stage, that goes back to Roman times, B.C., we're going to worry about that. Well, <clears throat> there's a new little bit of information we have on the cast of uh, Hamilton. If you didn't see it, you got to go watch the video because it's pretty funny. First of all, the main guy who is calling out um, Mike Pence and addresses him, he doesn't know whether or not he should stay in character. So he's like, uh, wherefore, pardon me, sir, in the audience, you, president, vice president-elect, he's got this kind of thing going on. But then in the middle of it, he kind of drops it, and he's like, you see, yo, we're all real, you know, scared, and sir, we say that we're, he's kind of going back and forth. I say you're a Broadway actor. Stay in character, or choose not to, but do one or the other. Then second of all, all the people behind him, some of them are clearly... By the way, I don't know if you know this about actors and actresses. They're a little emotional. So they're a little like, a couple of them, a little choked up, linking arms. Then there's a dude just off to his left as you're watching it who clearly wants to be the star. He clearly wants to be standing out there because he's kind of trying to direct from behind the scenes. And he's like doing the yes like this. So that's all funny by itself. But it's also funny that they're so serious about this, yet we find out half of them didn't vote. Some of them aren't registered to vote. Some of them are registered and haven't voted in years. They didn't even vote, yet they're so concerned about a Trump presidency, they're scared. If you were that scared, wouldn't you be like, hey, maybe I head on out and cast a vote or mail in a ballot or whatever it is, (laughs) wherever it is you vote. You, You couldn't vote to make sure you wouldn't be living under that fear? Did they wake up the day after the election and go, wait a minute, there was an election? 
Donald Trump? What? Where have I been? Had they just been backstage, drunk the whole time for the last year? How do you get so upset that you're not safe, as they say? What does that mean, you're not safe? From what? Trump's going to round up the homotype sexuals? This is, what's, this is what they think's going on. All right, round them all up. Bring them on in here. How are you not safe? Do you mean because of his supposed anti-homotype sexual and racist attitude that the rest of America is suddenly going to turn on you? That's insane. But if you are that concerned, maybe you go cast a ballot. Maybe uh, you vote. Huh. Then you don't have to call out Mike Pence. Just a thought. More of your calls coming up. It's Doc Thompson pinch hitting for Glenn Beck on the Glenn Beck program. This is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Doc Thompson in today. Thanks so much for joining me. We're talking about uh, Donald Trump saying he's not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton. Just letting you vent and tell me if it's something you're upset or do you think he's playing chess. We're going to get some phone calls. Go to line 61 now. Richard in Florida. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing good. Say, um, you know, Donald Trump, uh, he he campaigned on prosecuting her. You know, it upsets me that he's only been there a couple, you know, like a couple of weeks and he's already backed out of three things he said he was going to do said he was going to prosecute her, and now he's saying he's not going to do that. Then he says that he's going to, uh, to uh, do the immigrant thing. He's backed out of that thing. He said Obamacare, he's going to replace and repeal that. Now he is making exceptions for that. So, you know, it's like Donald Trump is, uh, he is becoming a politician before he's ever a politician. I don't understand, you know, I, I would love, I voted for Donald Trump because I thought he was going to do what he said. And now, what's he doing? He's backed out of three things before he's ever got there. Building the wall, he said he was going to do that, make it higher than it's ever been. Well, now we find out it's only certain parts of that wall that he's going to build. Obamacare, he is making exceptions. Oh, well, you know, there's two things in that that we're going to keep. Is that repealing it? I, I just, he's backing out of things before he ever gets there. And you I know, some of those, that. Richard, and I agree with you, and that's, that's my frustration as well. I still like some of the things he is doing and saying he's doing. I appreciate those. So I'm, you know, just trying to take him take uh, issue by issue. Even some of the other ones that he said, like the wall, it wasn't as clear cut as I'm not going to do this. And that's the reason I'm like, well, let's wait. Let's give him, you know, Give him some time in office to see how some of this stuff plays out. I mean, you got to get a lay of the land. No, nobody has any idea what it really takes to be president until you start going into those national security briefings and you get a couple of months behind you then and you're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea. So I'll give him a little bit of a learning curve, but this one is really specific and really specific uh, about why he's not going to. And that was my concern. But thank you so much. So I appreciate the comments this morning. Uh, let's get to another quick call here. James in Florida, how are you? Fine. Uh, yes, I am upset with uh, Trump's backsliding, or what you might call it, tracking. 
mm-hmm. at this at his first uh, inaugural speech before the Joint Chief of Staff. I pray to God that he will expose everything what uh, how you know corrupt our government is, and expose Hillary's deep concerns on what is on Anthony Weiner's laptop. Things like that is what concerns. And by me. laptop, you mean his computer? Correct. Okay, uh, thank God. I didn't want there to be any misunderstanding there. Yeah. Hey, do you do you uh, think th- th- there were words there were words that are <laughs> exchanged between Obama and Trump? I'm sure. Oh yeah. Do you think that a lot of people are waiting for a big, spectacular Trump moment to do something to expose a lot of people? Or do you think most Trump supporters, people support him, are just thinking he's going to do good things with legislation? No, I feel that he, as a chess player, you've got to make the right moves at the right place at the right time. Uh, Doc, i got one question to ask you. Yes, if you were the president mm-hmm. of the United States-elect and you walked into the national security briefing... And then suddenly you hear Obama and all these other people saying, if you do this or to Hillary, then we will do this to you. How would you, re- how would you react? After I got a pizza, which is always part of it. Of course. Um, <laughs> no, I'm doing it. And, and <laughs> James, I appreciate the call, and I'll respond. Uh, thank you so much. Um, no, folks, I'm somebody who suffers. I do. I'm somebody who often does, tries to do the right thing and suffers for it and suffer for it when I do the wrong things, too. So I'm somebody that stands on principle. That's the reason I didn't vote for Trump, and I've suffered because of that. That's just who I am. I get why other people, you know, don't do that. I understand. It's, I'm not more noble. I'm not saying that. It's, it's just who I am. I cannot let the bastards off. I can't. If you've done wrong, I'm coming for you. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. It's Doc Thompson, pinch hitting for Glenn Beck this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. And I've been doing a lot of hosting the last couple of days, and I've been thinking about Thanksgiving a lot and talking with people. And I said something on the air last night, and I almost kind of shocked myself. And I just said, it's going to be a struggle to come up with things to be thankful for this year. And I thought about that. It was almost stream of consciousness. I I hadn't realized that was my attitude until that moment I said it. And I'm somebody that's really thankful. I think about my blessings all the time. And I realize how, how beaten down I am the last six months or so. Some of it was the election. Some of it was personal things in my life, uh, loss, you know, loss of life. My father died earlier in the year. And it's not that I don't have things. I have countless things to, to be thankful for. But that's really been on the forefront of my mind. I've been just so beaten up 
that I, I really haven't been counting my blessings like I should. Because I think that's the beginning of us living happy healthy, happy, healthy lives is when you start saying, hey, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm, I don't live in a mansion. I don't have this. I don't have that. I'm not all these things I want, but I'm okay. I have my health and my family or whatever it is that, that you're blessed by. And I hope you'll think about that this, uh, this weekend as well. Spend some time tomorrow. And I know you may feel like there's not a lot to, to be thankful for, but there is. And that's going to be my struggle in the next 24 hours or so. I'm going to, in the coming year, do some things that I've been focusing on anyways in the last year, but even more so. And it's going to help you a lot. You probably heard me mention last hour that I'm going to give commercials away on Friday. And I'm going to on this program. I didn't tell Glenn about it, so I hope he doesn't poo-poo the thing. But I'm going to let you call up because I want to help you. I want to help make your life better. I want to help make your life better because it's also going to make America better. How can I help? Unfortunately, we have too many people saying, how can I help myself? Politicians, D.C., this is just the attitude we have now. So I'm going to try to live it, even more so. Already on my morning radio program on the Blaze Radio Network, and you can find out about it by going to theblaze.com slash doc, I host a Building America segment where I just give people free commercials. I'm going to do even more of that, more business, information, knowledge, expertise, help you, promote you, whatever I can do, because ultimately that's going to be better for all of us. A rising tide floats all boats. If you do better and some other people do better, the whole thing's going to do better. That's my commitment. That's what I'm going to be working on. It starts with me. Hopefully you'll take the same attitude. Uh, Lots of good things happening. If you would, please follow me on Twitter, at Doc Thompson Show. It's at Doc Thompson Show on Twitter. On Facebook, it's slash Doc Thompson Show. And if you want to call in, it's 888-900-3393. We got uh, the big Thanksgiving holiday, and a lot of you probably are uh, used to people giving you Thanksgiving tips and some other things. We're going to do things a little differently here when it comes to Thanksgiving meals. We talk about the holiday meal. Celebrity chef Patrick Mosier is joining us now. He has uh, prepared some dishes, some... Some good dishes and some food fails. And Patrick and I talked about this. How you doing, sir? Good. Good to see you, Doc. Uh, talked about this early on that if you go on um, Instagram, you'll see the pictures where people make mistakes as they try to do something. Yeah. It's like, okay, here was my attempt at making that cake. And, wow, that doesn't look like a soldier at all. No, there's a lot of nailed it photos on there that are, that are <laughs> yeah. pretty much Yeah, that's what they it. call yeah. it. Nailed it, Nailed right? it. Nailed it. But I said, what about all of the, the failures of concept mm-hmm. in design or, you know, as you're going, hmm, maybe I'll do this. And that's the fail. And you have to see that a lot in restaurants. Yeah. Especially you with younger chefs. Yeah. I mean, you see it from restaurant design all the way through the plate at the end of the, you know, at the end of the day with the chef. But yeah, we see it all the time. So a more ambitious sometimes than maybe they're ready for. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. So let's talk about um, the holiday, first of all, mm-hmm. uh, and preparation, food preparation in, in general. I don't know if I should let the cat out of the bag. But in the grand scheme of things, making Thanksgiving dinner is not as difficult as other dinners or things you could make. I mean, Thanksgiving's not that difficult, is it? No, it's time consuming, I think, is the biggest thing. But it's all prep work, though, right? So it you is. can it's do a lot ahead work. and then throw it in the oven, walk away, pull and, it out, and eat. Yeah. So, much. I mean, that stuff's pretty easy. But, I mean, people are stressing about this stuff at least you can do a lot of it early absolutely you know, you're not timing everything to come out exactly the same no. like some meals pies can be made the day before mm-hmm. your dressing can be made before uh reheated the next day turkey you throw it in three to five hours before it's ready to go depending on the weight and you're ready you know it's that easy make the gravy last minute 
Now, there's some, uh, there's some things that people do um, that are unconventional. People don't like mm-hmm. turkey, whatever. They say we do something different or whatever. And you have one suggestion that was a non-conventional thing that the staff has been drooling over <laughs> for the last hour or so. What did you make that's kind of a non-conventional food item? Well, it's kind of a play on the first Thanksgiving, which we know they had venison. We know they had seafood, and, and one of the seafood was probably lobster. So inst- I couldn't get venison, and a lot of people don't like venison. I went ahead and stuffed a tenderloin. Beef with, tenderloin. Beef tenderloin, <laughs> sorry. A beef tenderloin with um, sautéed mushrooms in butter, and then whole lobster tails down the middle, trussed it up, and roasted it in the oven. So you've got a lobster stuffed tenderloin? Correct. You know, and all this time I thought to myself, there's no way to dress up tenderloin. It's tenderloin, right? I mean, there's a, how do you make tenderloin better? <gasps> lobster stuffed Butter, mushroom, stuffed, why tenderloin. Did I, why did I not think truffles? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> truffles. How do, you, how do you make it even bigger? That's got to be pretty easy for a, a meal, though. That's a lot of prep work, and then in the oven and out. It is. I mean, um, but again, it took me, what, 20 minutes to prep it this morning, and then 40 minutes in the oven. That was it. Okay, so you're just cutting it and stuffing it, right? I mm-hmm. mean, after you saute the mushrooms, just Yeah, that's actually the hardest part, because you have to mince them really small so you don't get too much liquid in them. Okay. But it takes forever. It takes like an hour to do that. Oh, okay, so that's mm. the worst part of it. So yeah. I guess you could just do the lobster. Yeah, you don't need the mushrooms. It's okay, just, that's just a it's little just extra. A little extra for us. Um, do you have to worry about the lobster overcooking in there, or is it because it's the middle it probably takes a little longer? You actually pre-cook the lobster tails about 80% of the way. Wow. Take them out of the shell and put them in there, and then you don't have to worry about it. Because if they don't cook, you get the whole contamination factor, okay. shellfish, meat, different temperatures. But you really don't have to worry about easier. them overcooking at all? No, they're, they're insulated pretty well in the middle. Okay, slice that up. i got to see it. <laughs> slice it up so the staff can at least see a sure. piece of it or whatever. And if you want, uh, you can check it out, the Blaze TV, and we'll post a video a little bit later on. I'll all, uh, do links to it. It's at Doc Thompson Show. I have to apologize to all my mentors using a sushi knife to slice this up. But yeah, we have limited uh, restaurant supplies here. Oh, look at that. Oh, Wow. That's going to look real nice plated, too, if you, uh, if yeah, you have a dinner party or something. absolutely. So we'll do a little on the plate there. Get a little bit of this one. So we have that's a horseradish cream here. And that's just? It's just sour cream, um, prepared horseradish with the, the juice, the vinegar squeezed out, yeah. a little bit of salt, a little bit of white pepper, white sauce, white pepper. And this is a cranberry and orange compote. This is just cranberries, oh. fresh cranberries, orange juice, a little bit of white wine. And a little bit of that gives you that little salt, bit of Thanksgiving, uh, you know, theme still a little bit. A little bit. Wow, that looks yeah. nice. How come it never looks that nice when I cook? Sometimes it tastes good, but rarely does it look nice. Hey, I've had some fails too. Don't, it's, <laughs> not, it's not all sunshine and, and roses. Wow. Okay, who's going to be the first to try this now that he's plated it? Chris, you up? Oh yeah. Our buddy Chris on staff here. He's going to try it. You're going to have to. Come over, and then the rest of the staff can. You can yeah. dig in and cut it there. Be nice, sir. All right. Now, one of the fails that Chris came up with, and you actually <laughs> saw this somewhere, was the sushi roll. <laughs> yes. Get the sushi roll out. Let's take a look at the sushi okay. roll here. All right. So. Oh, wait, hang on a second. How is that, Chris? Oh, wow. <laughs> you took the whole tail. Oh, well, good, good thing we have plenty left. <laughs> um, okay. A Thanksgiving sushi roll? So that's me, a family concept. Let me just put this out there. I'm a trained sushi chef. I lived and worked in Japan for a long time, came back. That was my first job in the culinary industry was sushi chef. So that would be more of your specialty. That's yeah, your expertise. And I'm kind of a purist when it comes to it. I have a hard time putting cream cheese in rolls. Okay. I do it because that's what people eat. You know, a lot of mayonnaise, it just doesn't do it for so, me. So what is traditional? It's just the fish and seaweed yeah, and a I couple mean, of basic things? Kewpie mayonnaise, this cute little Japanese Kewpie bottle of mayonnaise. Okay. Um, but yeah, typically it's uh, fish, rice, 
vegetables, and that's pretty, cucumber and avocado. Okay, and, and those are all standard or more standard, but all the other stuff is yeah. not. Okay. So I've been seeing this for about 10 years now. Everybody does this leftover roll or whatever they want to call it, which is fine, <laughs> you know. And I thought, you know, I just, I could never bring myself to do it. And when we talked about doing this show, I had to. I just couldn't resist. So what I did is we have turkey, stuffing, dried cranberries, all right, the nori, which is the, the dried labor seaweed, and to go on it, I made a cranberry teriyaki sauce, actually. Oh, wow. So I okay. took, I, teriyaki is <laughs> just basically water or chicken stock with sugar and soy sauce and mm-hmm. a little bit of salt, and you reduce that down. But when I did it, I actually took fresh cranberries, put them in there, and reduced it down with it. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, I have gravy if you'd prefer, but I think this would probably be a little Okay, bit. now, it, it, once I see it, it actually looks like it may be pretty good, but the concept <laughs> seems like a fail if you say to your family, come on over, we're having sushi. Well, I'm not a big fish. No, no. No, yeah. It's... Thanksgiving sushi, it's turkey sushi, it's cooked, it's just, you know, all right, Chris, you're on deck, you got to try, you're our, the rest of the crew's busy right now, so you got to try the sushi. And this is actually like a Japanese sandwich, it's finger food, so just pick it up. All right, let's see. I feel like I'm eating sushi. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. I mean, you know, sushi rolls are pretty malleable. You put something inside, the rice has not a lot of flavor. It's just sugar, vinegar, and the rice. And the nori kind of gets lost in everything, the rice, the, yeah. the labor paper. But, Interesting. Um, yeah, it's... Okay, and then dessert. 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 Yeah. Right, it's a cake. Yeah, yeah. It's dessert. This would be, um, this would be what they call the turkey leftover <laughs> or Thanksgiving leftover cake. Okay, which, so it looks like a cake, folks. It's a white frosted cake, and then you realize that white frosting is... Well, the first time I saw it, I was thinking, it, yeah, it looked like carrot cake. And mm-hmm. I thought, you ju- it's just wrong. It looks like it's going to be dessert, but it eats like a savory pie. <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, okay, they- so it doesn't look bad. If you look at the insides here and you see it's... What's it tell me the layers. So okay, so we have... Uh, Stuffing? Right. Or sorry, dressing nowadays because you don't stuff the bird. Hey, by the way, that was the original fail. Putting something that absorbs liquid inside of a bird that gets dry already when you bake it was not a good idea. The whole stuffing inside the bird. Why did they stuff them? I don't know. Flavor. Maybe that's what for the stuff. Okay. Yeah, okay. you're right. But yeah, it's absorbing moisture. Exactly. Just stick it on the side. That's so a good point. So we've got dressing. And your bird cooks faster. Absolutely. Wow, okay. You know, the, we talked about those little shake and bake bags you put mm-hmm. them in. They're the best. Interesting. Um, we have uh, dressing, turkey, cranberry. More dressing, mashed potatoes, dressing, turkey, and then potatoes on top. And that's kind of the frosting. That's kind okay. of the frosting. So this is all stuff you'd be eating anyways. A lot of people eat this stuff together. <laughs> the gravy on the side. Here. But what's the point of this one then, Patrick? Um, extra work. This took me like 30 minutes to make. So couldn't I just and throw all that stuff in bowls and put it out there and you could have it? Or? Well, I mean, why wouldn't you just stuff it between a, two pieces of bread and make a sandwich or... Okay, that's one of the best things for leftovers is the grilled Thanksgiving oh, leftover yeah. sandwich. Paninis. Yeah, you get the mm-hmm. good bread or panini press or whatever, then you put oh, it in yeah. there and then together. But you got to have that sweet, so you got to put the, the cranberry, cranberry has to go in there. or the, well, and the sweet potatoes. I like both oh, in there. I thought you were going to say Nutella for a minute. That doesn't no, really work no. with it. Do you have that? It might be a fail. Just no, that's one of my favorites. All right, Chris, I guess you're the, you're the <laughs> guinea pig here right now because I got to keep hosting at this point. All right, grab a fork and whatnot, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, how, how long did it take you, aside from the stuff, 30 minutes to just assemble? About 30 minutes. I mean, give or take. I okay. had to whip the mashed potatoes together real quick. Okay. So this so was great. actually what we had left over after the show prep today. Oh, okay. So you potatoes. got all that stuff then, whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, so. <laughs> oh, wow. 
Uh-oh. <laughs> wait, wait, it should taste like the same stuff. What are you talking about? Too, okay. too many flavors going on? Okay. <laughs> What's uh, Those look like meatballs. These are turkey meatballs, um, and these are simmered. Well, after you brown them, right. they, they're simmered in a sauce that's a, raspberry, a, a cranberry barbecue sauce. So this is ground turkey? It's ground 100% turkey. 100% ground turkey. Yeah, and it's, okay. it's thigh meat, ground up. Okay. And it's got a, some onion, garlic, a little bit of seasoning in there. And, and then, then what's the sauce on there? Cranberry? It's a cranberry barbecue sauce. Okay, let's and, try, Chris. Now, I don't own these recipes, and you know how I'm, I'm very particular about what I serve and how it tastes. So um, I did actually doctor these a little bit because some of them weren't very good. Okay, <laughs> so you're trying to make the best out of them. Yes. I'll bet that's actually fairly good. Pretty simple? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> not so, again, this is about conceptual fails, not necessarily... Yeah, and yeah, not the the, um, the the taste afterwards. It's the idea where you're like, okay, why would you put this much work into it? Or the, you know, the the idea of a turkey roll just seems odd to people. So that is a fail there. Yeah, or the uh, well, what did I see? A Powerade basted turkey. What what drunk college kid thought that one up? I mean, okay, really, yeah, what, what's the benefit for, of the Powerade? You could just use any juice. Why are you using the chemicals and everything else? And is Powerade? You really love Powerade flavor that much? I'm guessing that? it was what was left over in the fridge. Okay. I'm going to get a quick break, and we're going to come back and talk about a quick dessert, which Mm. seems like it could be pretty good. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck (laughs) in the Glenn Beck Program. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson for Glenn Beck today with celebrity chef Patrick Mosier the day before Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. We're uh, talking about some um, food successes and some food failures, some things to give you some ideas for the, uh, the holiday. If you want to find um, uh, me on Twitter, it's at Doc Thompson Show. If you want Patrick, it's at Food Biz Pro. Correct. Right? Yeah, at Food Biz, Biz Pro mm-hmm. on the Twitter. Um, you did make sort of a dessert. It's a popsicle. Yeah, so I've been seeing this for a, a year or two as well. This is a pumpkin spiced popsicle. Oh, that sounds good. So it's it's. A I thought non- it was gravy for a minute. Yeah. I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, gravy pops. Yeah, those haven't they they set, but they've been out for a little they've while. Been so be careful. A little bit, there so we a go. Little moist. What's the right. so pumpkin spice? What is the is it cream and no? It's actually it so it's coconut milk. Coconut milk with uh, pumpkin puree. I right. mean, just re- plain pumpkin. Is there sugar? And then pumpkin pie spice in there. Okay. No sugar. No extra sugar. Ah, uh, there's honey. There's honey. Okay. Honey, yeah. Too, Too thick? thick. Too thick. Yeah. Yeah. How's the flavor? Coconut's overpowering. Yeah. So for me, it's a fail because it's forty degrees or cooler in most of the country. <laughs> Why are you going to eat a popsicle? We can have the pie. Okay. It doesn't make any sense. Well, that's my sister Dana. She she goes. One day we're eating pumpkin loaf, right? The, mm-hmm. With the cream cheese filling and the saw, uh, the uh, frosting, whatever. Mm-hmm. And pumpkin loaf is tremendous. Pumpkin bread, that. Oh yeah. Excellent stuff. But she had the best point. She goes, whenever you eat anything else, pumpkin, aren't you also thinking, I wish this was pumpkin pie. This is great, <laughs> but boy, I wish it was pumpkin pie. It's the best. Absolutely. All right. So uh, everything pretty good, as you can see. Um, the stuff's been hit pretty hard, with the exception of the cake. That was avoided a little bit. <laughs> Tender it pretty hard. But I have to point out to the crew that Buck Sexton didn't have food for you guys yesterday. <laughs> Buck Sexton didn't bring in food the day before. Just so you know, I'm, you know. <laughs> Although I, 
I'm in on Friday, too, so I've set a precedent here, haven't I? <laughs> so that might be pretty rough. I'm only three and a half hours away. Oh, okay, very good, very good. So it's at Doc Thompson Show and at um, Food Biz Pro for uh, celebrity chef Patrick Mosier. Let's sit down a minute and talk about sure. some of the uh, other trends and things coming in the industry. Um, we're going to talk about business a lot on Friday, as I said. And a lot of people think, oh, I can start a restaurant. Restaurant yes. business is difficult. If you're thinking that you're going to make um, you know, a million dollars opening a restaurant, you've got to think this thing through. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, first and foremost, it's a business. It's not a social game. It's not a place to entertain, although you could, that could be part of it. But that's got to be the first fail, though. The Absolutely. first fail is, well, I know how to cook good. I'll open a restaurant. Or, and then second of all, I'll bring all my friends. And... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what happens. You know, I, I recently consulted with a restaurant in Houston. And after four years, they've, uh, they've, they've sunk you know, over $6 million in this thing. And they, they had to close their doors, unfortunately. Um, it's, it's a sad thing. I mean, is the failure most of the time that they don't people that start restaurants don't understand what they're getting into? That's part of it. And then you hire your friends and family as staff, um, and they may not have the experience necessary. It's a science. It's just like any other business. It, there's an art to it. There are cost to control, uh, plating specs, recipe standards, training standards. There's you, a lot of training. And you do a lot of consulting for this stuff too. So I you do. have an actual formula, a plan in place that yep. is at least going to be the, the beginning template to be successful. Yeah, we have a very systematic approach to restaurant management. What we do is try to be, bring the advantage that big chains have into uh, independently owned restaurants because most of them don't have chain experience. And chains are very systematic, you know, and, and McDonald's, at this time you do this, at this time you do that, at this time you do that, may not apply to your business, but we take those parts that do create a system for you and an outline that you can follow. So now you manage the system, and the system manages these employees. Sounds good. We're going to hear more about this and some of the uh, future trends in restaurants and also restaurant business and eating coming up next on the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Beck. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck today. If you have any questions for our celebrity chef, Patrick Mosier, we'll take some. 888 actually, uh, 888 beck 888-727-BECK, if you have any. Um, I got to tell you, the tenderloin, by the way, one of the staff goes, wait a minute, was this supposed to be one of the fails? I was like, <laughs> no, no, this is an additional suggestion for you if you're worried about fails. Um, the tenderloin with the lobster in it and the mushrooms, I'm amazed at how good it is. Because, I mean, it's tenderloin. You go, okay, it's going to be tenderloin. Yeah. And I like lobster, so you got some lobster, too. But it becomes this whole other thing with the flavors and the mushrooms together. Yeah, that's that, that kind of additional flavor where he talks about umami, that kind of earthy tone. It gives a lot of depth to everything. Mm-hmm. And they were sautéed in two sticks of butter with a little salt and pepper in there, so it really helps. Have you heard of the calamari index? <laughs> the calamari index is um, a, a tool to measure how long... A particular item will be trendy on restaurant menus, and it goes back to when calamari yeah. was like the trendy item in the late 70s and 80s, and they tracked how long it was popular. And then, like uh, right now, like Brussels sprouts are really big right oh, now. Oh, that's on the menus. number one vegetable on, on menus, the, the number one new one, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, how long will it be around? Well, you go to Calamari Index, and you look and you see about how many, like 18 months trendy, whatever. Yeah. And it, 
most of these start off at like high end restaurants, mm-hmm. and somebody tries to do something different, and then people follow suit, and it goes Absolutely. lower, 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 until finally it ends up <laughs> on like some of the lowest, like price wise or whatever, or most common restaurants out there. And by then, it's everybody's moved on at the upper end. Yeah, so at the end, you get you can get it at Luby's, basically. Right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Right. It's very, hey, I'm not knocking Luby's. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's just you know lower end price yeah. point or whatever. Um, so what else is out there right now that's really trendy? I mean, we've had think about all the things in the past, like like you said, calamari that was big. The shrimp cocktail. Remember, you used yeah, to eat shrimp right. cocktail. And uh, over the last five years, ceviche has really come to. And what is ceviche? Star. So ceviche is a is a seafood that's been marinated in an acid like lemon or lime to cook it. Um, and then it's served in that juice. So typically it's, with it's raw, but then the, the acids mm-hmm. uh, essentially cook it, is yep. what they think of. That's what they do. I had some um, within the last couple of months, and I had not been exposed to it before. And I like some fish. Some fish gets a little fishy for me. Mm-hmm. I thought it was sensational. It was done really well. Well, and the acid kind of helps with that. It, it takes some of the fishiness away. And the marinade that they use for it in each country in South America is a little bit different. So in, in um, Ecuador, for instance, they use orange juice and ketchup. They actually, they wow. actually pre-cook the fish just a little bit, take some of that broth, put it in with the fish, and then add the orange juice, ketchup, marinade, a little lemon juice, and they let it sit for you know, six to eight hours until it's done and serve it. It's really good with really thinly sliced red onions, uh, and they serve it with popcorn and plantain chips on the side. It's po- wait, phenomenal. Wait, wait, popcorn and plantain? Plant- well, Food is about texture not, and temperatures, right? So you want something um, that brings a little extra character to the dish. The okay. popcorn's kind of flavorless, but it adds crunch. And okay, the plantain, I guess that yeah. does make sense. That's just, yeah, you don't think of that as being served. <laughs> unless it's Snoopy's Thanksgiving, you don't think of popcorn being served with, with a meal like that. Now, can the ceviche be, um, are there are variations on it? Can you do other meats? I mean, I know there's Absolutely. like um, beef tartare, for example, yeah. or something like that. Can you use the acids to cook other things like that? Um, you can. It um, probably gets a little weird when it gets to meat. It, it does. And, and ceviche, you, can only use, you should only use certain fish, okay. the things that you know are safe uh, to cook in that manner. You get into beef or chicken. You obviously don't want to do poultry yeah, that way. Yeah, you can't do poultry because no. salmonella and whatever. Well, I actually had uh, chicken sashimi in Japan one time. That was very interesting. You mean, so raw, like sashimi? Yeah, like I don't know what I was thinking, but I tried it. Wow, what were they thinking? I mean, I guess there's... I, I guess they thought the dipping sauce would just take care of everything. <laughs> that's the, Drinking that up sake, it's all good, good the, next the, day. the raw chicken doesn't sound good, though. No, was it good? Um, I don't remember. <clears throat> I think I blocked it out. You blocked it out or you're pretty drunk, right? Because I'd probably try it if I was drunk. (laughs) (laughs) I had drank a little bit of sake that day. Okay, so at one time, like you Mm -hmm. said, you got a shrimp cocktail. You'd go to dinner parties, fancy whatever, Mm -hmm. cocktail receptions, or at um, at, uh, parties or anything Mm -hmm. like this, and they would put out the big bowl of shrimp cocktail with the cocktail sauce in the middle, whatever. And that just went away. We didn't do that. And then we had, like, lower-end appetizers, like... um, potato skins and mozzarella sticks and all the variations mm-hmm. on those. And, man, those hung around a long time. And then those finally Jalapeno went away. poppers. Jalapeno poppers. Mm-hmm. Which, and you know what's frustrating about those, too, is that by the time they start becoming commonplace, they're not done as very well. Well, they're not. I mean, the reason that they became popular in the first place was somebody set a standard that no one else was able to achieve. Right? Oh, people said, was, I love this. Yeah, I want to do this, too. But exactly. you can't do it the same standard. Yeah, and, well, or you can't do it because the price point is different. Mm-hmm. So you have to lower the, the, the quality of the ingredients. Um, your staff may not be as trained. And, and it just kind of trickles down. Well, I can attest to that around here. It's not about cooking, but not as well trained. Yes, I think we all know about that. Well, you've heard my thought. I mean, the, the restaurant industry <laughs> is very diluted right now. Uh, there are so many restaurants and so few qualified employees 
Uh, that it, almost, really well, that's got to make it harder, too. If you have a good product, it's, you know, you got to deal with people trying all this other stuff. It's going to take you longer to be able to make a profit. Yeah, I mean, I've had to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but I've had to simplify menus because I didn't have the staff to execute. I think, wow. you know, look at, you know, Bentonville. We both know the town very well up in yeah. Arkansas. Um, you know, it's a phenomenal economy, some great restaurants conceptually, but I think a lot of times the restaurants don't execute. Um, they just don't have the supporting staff, and not just there. It's, it's all over the country. When, when, you, when you say you don't have the well-trained staff, too, is it, I'm certain part of it's got to be about time, you it know, because you don't have as, as many staff members or whatever because of the, you know, the profit margin and price point. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you say trained because they don't know how to make certain things, or is it, what I, skills would, would they not have? Well, I think, um, so first, the, the labor pool is kind of diluted. It's smaller to pull from. Okay. So in Bentonville, uh, for instance, they have... We're talking about Bentonville, Arkansas, Bentonville, Arkansas by the way, the home sorry. of... Um, Sam's um, and Walmart. Walmart, yeah. yeah. So they have, say, 50 restaurants. Well, they're all pulling from the same 200 employees or 250 or 300 experienced employees. Okay. It's not a college town, and no one's going to drive 30 miles or 50 miles from Fayetteville to get there. And, and you run into that problem in a lot of places. Even Houston, it's a large city. And there are so many restaurants opening all the time. You just can't train enough staff as fast as the restaurants are opening. So they're not as able to make certain dishes. They're not as mm-hmm. fast. They can't hi- hi- handle the volume. Yeah, and you have so a lot of new employees that have never worked in a restaurant before. Some of the other things I remember that used to be uh, really popular, and I always mention this one because it's a great dish and you rarely see it, is mm-hmm. Beef Wellington. Yep. Beef Wellington was the thing. When my parents were courting back in the 50s or whatever, <laughs> this would be, you know, the very upscale thing you would go to get, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Beef Wellington is the, probably tender, is it almost always tenderloin? It's a tenderloin with basically a puff pastry around it. And it's got the same mushroom mix that I use. It's called a duck cell okay. on top. And then you wrap it and then you bake it in the oven. S- sensational. So what's coming in the future? What, what types of things are people experimenting with? around the, the country, the world, whatever, that you're likely going to see? Because we've seen things like um, there's been a Korean food explosion and the Korean Huge. food trucks, mm-hmm. Korean tacos and whatever. Um, what are the little sandwiches, the Vietnamese sandwiches? Oh, banh mi. Uh, banh mi, mm-hmm. we've seen those. Yep. So what type of things do you think you're going to see in the, in the future? Well, I saw a few uh, examples of sushi burgers last week where they make the patty out of this, the sushi rice. Okay, sushi rice, uh-huh. gotcha. And then they put whatever filling in between. So it's um, sashimi or some sort of tartare. Okay. It's very interesting. Um, I'm not, you know, again, I'm kind of a purist, so I'm hesitant, but it looks delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, again, the poke bowls we talked about, which is a take on, you know, the marinated tuna or other fish with um, vegetables over a, over a bowl of rice. Um, Are we seeing, I mean, we've we got to be seeing more uh, influence from around the world, too, more flavors coming from other places. It's definitely more ethnic and it's simpler, right? The flavors are more simple. It's pure. It's a lot more pure. Uh, well, that's something that I've been focused on recently, too, is it, <laughs> I like a lot of flavor. Yeah. So it's my natural instinct, if I'm cooking something, to go put a lot of stuff in it and put a, not just a lot of an individual, but a lot of different types of stuff in it. I want flavor. When really it comes down to the salt, pepper, garlic, a couple of very simple things. Quality that, of the ingredients. Mm-hmm, yeah. It makes all the difference. So um, I got to believe a lot of this stuff is being driven by millennials now. Yes. Your generations are up. These are people who want quality. They mm-hmm. want fresh. They want simple, yeah. right? They want the experience. Explain this experience, too, because you not only consult restaurants, it's uh, grocery stores, you have some familiarity with that and prepared foods in there. Mm-hmm. So really in the business end, what is the experience? Because it's not just restaurants. Let's say somebody owns another business out there and you're trying to bring in um, younger generations. What do you mean by they're looking for an experience? Well, you can go to any restaurant and get food brought to you on a plate uh, for the right price. What people want is something extra, whether that's something that you bring. There's a place in, in Austin, and uh, at the end of the meal, every, they come around with a little, they have a, 
uh, cart, and they give everybody a little ice cream cone. It so doesn't cost anything. Little... Yeah, you get to choose one of three flavors or whatever. But it's, it's the, uh, an extra something special. It makes you feel special. It does. It elevates the level of service, the, ele- the level hmm. of food. So this is almost like it, when we of modest means get an opportunity to go to um, an all-inclusive resort or something mm-hmm. like this, and they're, they're treating you at a level of sophistication that you're not used to, and you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I get to be a little special. I get to be a little exactly. pampered here, that type of thing. Um, and you, you, in your mind, have always thought of that as being wealthier people. Mm-hmm. Is it... It seems to me that the millennials are thinking they want that, yet they're the first generation to make less than their parents mm-hmm. as, as a generation in America. So I see them giving up things like they're not buying the house, they're not doing some of these things mm-hmm. that cost them money, and instead selectively spending their money on that. I still want some of those things my parents had. Mm-hmm. I still want some of those nice things, but I got to kind of pick and choose. So bang for my buck, too? Is that Absolutely. kind of it? I, I think so, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, they're the largest driving force in the food service industry right now. You know, 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, it was the baby boomers. Right. And that's kind of past. Millennials have taken over. Which this is, is hilarious because Generation X was called X because it's the lost generation. I mean, well before millennials had been born. They said, listen, the, the generation that comes after the baby boomer is the lost generation. It's going to be fewer in numbers, and it's Generation X, and they'll be kind of skipped over and blah, 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 So, at which I am Generation X. So during the baby boomers the whole time, I'm growing up or whatever, it was all about catering to the baby boomers. Catering, and finally, you're too young, kid. It's all about the baby boomers. Get the hell out of here. Now I have come of age. Mm-hmm. Now the generation is here, and they said, we got to go after this generation after them that has so many... So mm-hmm. many people, it's deep pockets, and they skipped right over us. We never had our day in the sun, and now I'm the old guy. You yeah, know what I mean? but so, we're on TV. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that's true, at least for this moment. Um, so, yeah, so they just kind of jumped over. Mm-hmm. But they're driving all of this now, this you know, deep pockets, they and are. the Generation X is just kind of, they kind of jumped over them. Absolutely. You know, this is a, so the uh, millennials are the first generation to spend more money dining out than on groceries. But they don't cook, right? No, they go to, so they go to Whole Foods. They don't buy, typically they don't buy groceries. They buy prepared foods. Is it that they can't cook or is it the experience? Is it a combination of things? It's, well, I, I think, I think it's, it's trading time for money, right? So you can, you, can, you can do that both ways, in earning and in spending. They prefer to spend their time doing other more social activities and save the time cooking. And, and, but get something that's high perceived value and healthfully it's perceived as being very healthful. You're right. So their perception is, and Whole Foods does a nice job. Absolutely. I mean, they can be a little pricey with stuff or whatever, yeah. but they do a very nice job. Um, they, uh, they have the perception, whether it's true or not, and I've got a lot of it probably is, that it's very healthy. Absolutely. So they, is, it, is it also being seen, is it about the bag that I go to Whole Foods, I go to Starbucks, it's I It's the have, new Tiffany's blue bag. Is, is it kind of that as so. well? So you have a little bit of that. They go there and do this, and then they say, I would rather buy this stuff than spend that time preparing the food, mm-hmm. um, and it's worth the money, even if it's a little pricey, right? Absolutely. It's worth it because then I can spend that time doing whatever else. Yeah. Interesting. Fascinating stuff. Um, you want to understand how to make money in the world, you got to understand some of these concepts. And we're just trying to figure this stuff out as well because, as I said, I've been fascinating about business, and I, I want to help people as much as possible. Let me get a quick break in. We'll be back with more with celebrity chef Patrick Mosier. On Twitter, it's FoodBizPro. If you need restaurant consulting, you need questions answered, information, He'll tweet with you. It's at Food Biz Pro, and it's at Doc Thompson Show for me. Back in a minute on the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Yeah! 
Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. Hey there, it's Doc Thompson with the Food Biz Pro, Patrick Mosier, celebrity chef. Go to at Food Biz Pro on Twitter and he'll engage with you there. It's at Doc Thompson Show for me. Please uh, follow both of us. Um, uh, what is the future going to hold for, for uh, supermarkets? Because I keep seeing these trends about people like growing things in the supermarket. And I got to believe that's the future. If you want to make money, folks, I think this is one of the, mm-hmm. one of the answers. So hyper-local sourcing is not just affecting the grocery industry, but restaurants as well. A lot of restaurants say locally have, sourced. I got a place out back yeah, or whatever. Yeah, they grow their herbs, their yeah. tomatoes, a few items. But that's, I think that's the, the next trend in the grocery industry. Rooftop gardens, hydroponic walls. You can go in and pick the tomatoes you want. Um, go on the rooftop and watch them harvest the carrots that are going to be served or that are going to be uh, wow. sold in the restaurant an hour later. Yeah, because I've seen that in a lot of urban settings where they, like, mm-hmm. you grow microgreens in a warehouse and distribute mm-hmm. to all the restaurants or on a rooftop in New York or somewhere. And a lot of that's going on. But I think 20, 30 years, maybe not, maybe 10, five years down the mm-hmm. road, you may go into your grocery store and stuff where it's spatial, spatially able to do this, mm-hmm. where you will just pick the mm-hmm. tomato right off the vine. They get a higher yield when it's hydroponics or aeroponics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it just keeps growing. And you want to talk fresh, right? Well, yeah. You, you, and you, that's the biggest thing right now. People are very concerned with nutritional value and healthful food. All right. So the, the, the minute that corn, like corn, the minute you pick corn, it's hard to grow in a grocery store. But for instance, right. four minutes after it comes off the stock, it already starts to lose its sugar. Within 20 minutes, it's at 40% of what it originally wow. was, somewhere in there. I don't know if that's the exact but it's percentage, but it's, it's really low. Um, and you think about the environmental impact on something that's bred for packing, like a tomato. Mm-hmm. It's, all the way, it's, it's grown in California, shipped all the way across the country. Why not just buy something local that costs more? You know, and um, going to be fresher. Exactly. But it's, it, you know, when you talk about the environmental footprint. Yeah, that's the, that's the wave of the future. At some point, you're going to see a lot more of that. Let's capitalize on it. Let's make money. You're a business person. You want to do it? Somewhere in there is the idea for you, potentially. More business stuff coming up Friday morning on this, the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Hi there, it's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck today. Thanks so much for joining us. 
To uh, further illustrate the crazy world that we live in today, workers in Sweden, a workers union, has set up a hotline for workers to call and report any instances of mansplaining in the workplace. Um, uh, Melissa's on camera for Melissa, let me explain what mansplaining is. It's, um, it's when a man has to explain something to a woman with the assumption that she doesn't understand it. And I know you don't know what mansplaining is, so um, I figured I'd just go ahead and explain it to you. So, I mean, you know how you understand it. I'm sure you appreciate that, right? <laughs> so, yeah, mansplaining is a term used by feminists that a man will apparently jump in and say, hang on a second, let me explain to this to you, sweetheart, that, that type of attitude. Now, I don't know, does this really go on in the workplace? Ladies, I got to hear from you. 888-727-BECK. The number is 888-727-BECK. I'm sure this has happened at times in history. Maybe it used to be more common. But do you really hear men assuming you're stupid or don't understand something in the workplace or at home or whatever, and then stopping to explain it to you to kind of dumb it down to you, sweetheart? Because I just don't see this, but maybe it's because I'm a man. And I already know. 888-727-BECK. Please, ladies, let me know if this is really going on because I got to call BS on this one. To the point that (laughs) I was explaining to Diane, who works uh, in makeup and wardrobe for The Blaze here. And I say to her, um, oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about some different things on the show. She goes, well, what all do you have coming up? And I go, they got this mansplaining hotline in in, uh, Sweden. And she goes, what's mansplaining? And I said, well, and I started explaining it to her. And I go, do you realize how ironic this is, Diane? I'm explaining to you what mansplaining is. This seems like a bit of irony. Is this happening, ladies? 888-727-BECK. So a spokeswoman for the hotline says, our objective is to contribute to awareness and start a discussion. I don't know about you, but I'm really tired of people creating awareness and uh, engaging in dialogue or discussions. Can't we just have a discussion about race in America? We need to start a dialogue about race, I hear. You know, I just wanted to create awareness about the problems of racism in America or pick something else, the environment. You know, the reason I dressed up as a tree in public and set myself on fire was to create awareness about the trouble with global climate change. And I feel like we need some sort of dialogue or discussion How many times have you heard that? That's an automatic progressive buzz phrase or terms that I go, no. So their objective is to contribute to awareness and start a discussion, which she says we hope will be the first step in changing the way we treat each other and talk about each other in the workplace. Mansplaining. I just don't think it actually happens. I mean, maybe on some, but... No more than I hear from women. In fact, I get uh, female splaining quite a bit. I know I get it at home. It's nonstop with the wife, the wife, the mother-in-law. I get female splaining all the time. Even if I'm right, they still splain it to me. And I've had a lot of female bosses who splain things to me too. Does it not count then? The phone is answered, they say, by gender experts. You know, I didn't get around a whole lot, but I got to tell you, at 40-whatever years of age, I think I could consider myself a gender expert. I, although, you know, pretty much by like 10, 12, I was pretty much, what the hell's a gender expert? 
that's a woman, that's a man. I mean, aside from the people who are throwing you off because they're transitioning, it's pretty simple. What's a gender expert? That sounds like one of those terms you just give each other or give yourself to make yourself sound more important or in lieu of a raise a boss gives you. No, 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 no. We can't give you a raise, but we will call you gender expert now. A director of something with gender expert. You know, make your title real long in your business card, something like that. So the phone line, the hotline is going to be answered by gender experts, authors, and academics. Uh, what kind of authors? Are you talking like like Poe, Shakespeare? I mean, classic authors? I don't think they're around anymore. Maybe current ones? Dean Koontz? Is that it? James Patterson? Are they the authors? Or do you mean authors that write about stuff like this? In which case, wouldn't they likely have some other background that makes them a gender expert or part of academia? The mansplaining hotline, they say, is ready to handle mansplaining crises. Um... How, how are you going to handle that? What, what are they going to do? So, okay, sweetheart, um, a dude mansplained to you. Got it. And what do you want me to do? Give him a good talking to? How am I going to handle this? Are you fired for something like this? Or is it just kind of a boo-hoo-hoo fest? No, no, because this is what I hear from women all the time. Women always say, I don't want you to fix my problem. I just want you to listen to it, which, by the way, is the reason I'm trying to fix your problem, because I don't want to listen to it. (laughs) You see, I got my own problems, and if I tell you my problem, like, hey, you're spending too much money, and we can't afford that, I want you to fix it. Like, I'm not just wanting you to listen, and I think that's the communication breakdown. They're thinking, when I'm telling you, hey, we're spending too much money, I do want you to fix it, stop spending the money. And they're thinking, oh, he just wanted me to listen about spending too much money. No, I actually wanted you to fix it. So if this is who you are, ladies, do you really just want somebody to listen? Is that what the hotline is about? I don't know. 888-727-BECK. 888-727-BECK. I got to know, does this really happen? Because I'm calling BS on it. Now, I do have the mansplaining hotline number. And... I am going to dial it up and see if... All right, let's see what this Thank sounds like. Thank you for calling the Mansplaining Hotline. Okay. Your call is very important to us and our feelings. Please hold for the next available operator. To talk with a real woman to tell you how wrong you are, press 1. Please hold while we connect you to a real woman. Okay. Hello? Yeah, this is uh, this is Doc. Yeah, I'm. Okay, that, that that's what I thought it would be. I thought it was likely going to be something like that. Okay, I'm I'm a little clearer now on it. All right, all right. Who do we got here in Virginia? We got uh, Nate. Is it Nate? go to virginia hi there who's hey, this how you doing hey the whole the, the uh, gender expert you know what his job <laughs> is He's, his job is to identify pat um i don't know oh, if you've ever watched pat, okay. Saturday Night Live, but yeah he's the one guy in the room when everyone else is confused he's the one mm-hmm. guy who can tell you which gender no that's sure, a chick pat that's is, a that's so. a chick right there that's right is that that's their job 
Well, it could be a, it could be a man or a chick, but you know the gender okay. expert. We need more of them in our society nowadays <laughs> um, to identify these pats that are out there because we, I, I get confused. You know what I mean? I don't it's know very confusing. It's a confusing time to say. live. I mean, uh, I guess this would be um, somebody that would be really good when Maury Povich or Jerry Springer does the, okay, we're going to bring 10 people out. Is it a woman or a man? Right? They'd be really good. They'd do well on that. Yeah, they get paid like 200000 a year to do their job, for sure. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure. Gender experts. You'll see them in airports and you'll see them in malls because that's that's where they hang out mostly. Here's what I want to know, and I'm not encouraging this. I'm just saying, let's say somebody's being unfaithful. Could they use, I was just training to be a gender expert as an excuse? Is that oh, possible? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's not an excuse. That's you gotta practice. <laughs> that's, it takes a lot of practice and experience to become a gender expert. I'm telling you, it's a okay. real thing. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much for the call. I appreciate it. So you go, uh, honey, I'm sorry you had to find out about me uh, training for my degree in gender expertise. Is that... I don't know what the certification is. I don't know what it's called, but what are you talking? Don't you want me to get ahead, so to speak? Don't you want me to bring in more money? Well, I've got to do this. I've got to get certified in some of this stuff. I was just trying to become a gender expert. And further to show you uh, further what our crazy world is like. Well, you know what? Let me get to another couple quick calls here. I can't see that. Uh, In Florida. Who do we got? Is it Connie? Corinne. Corinne. It's Corinne, Corinne. Corinne in Florida. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. So, so is mansplaining I, a thing? I have, I have had to explain what mansplaining is to most men. Um, when I read this story last week on The uh-huh. Blaze, mm-hmm. I said, this is ridiculous. You can't, this can't be a real thing. And I happen to be talking to somebody. Um, I am very good friends with the guy that does local talk radio down here. Mm-hmm. I said, you've got to talk. This is ridiculous. He didn't know what it was. Um, and uh, several other men that I have, my husband didn't know what it was. His coworkers didn't. I have had to explain it to them. And I, I use little words, just, you know. Okay, say. good, good. I'm glad because, you know, we're not going to understand. But now, <laughs> do you think it's a thing where do, in your normal life, do you have guys going, hold on, Corinne, hang on. Um, let me explain this to you. Do you have that happening? No. Has it, has it ever happened in your life that you can recall? I, Maybe when I was younger, maybe when I was in my early 20s, my very first job, I had a manager who was just, didn't think very much of women. It was very obvious. Um, So he used to speak to me like that all the time. But was that more that he was older and a boss and just a jerk than being like a gender thing? I, I think that was his, yeah, I don't think it was, I think it was just his, the way he was. He, it wasn't just to me, it was to all Women and he spoke like that to a lot of young guys too, but it was mostly to the young women in the office. He just assumed because we were twenty and you know he was our boss, he could just talk to us like that. Um, and that was probably a pretty good assumption, then, though. No, I've never had that experience. Um, do you, who's driving this? Is this the oversensitive people? This isn't about women. This is about the hypersensitive world, right? That's that's what I think. I think it's. All of these new terms that are coming out, that like microaggression and micro oppression, and everybody <laughs> the, the microaggressions, needs their right? And, and you can't hurt my feelings. I, I don't know where it comes from, um, but I, it makes me nuts. I, I think it's everybody wants the attention. Everyone's trying to fill that little piece inside of them that feels bad, and they want the attention. So they're like, 
you offended me by that. And then somebody like me would say, well, get over it. It's being offended. I didn't punch you in the but face or something. I I right. So, so then I think what they do is they say. And, and rub me the wrong way. Mm-hmm. So maybe, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm not a normal woman in that I don't get offended <laughs> easily. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think what happens then is then they say, in rebut to me and, and you, our attitude of just get over it, they say things like, well, you don't understand how that feels. And I'm like, it's not a big deal. And they say, no, no, it's a, I need a term here to show, give it significance, microaggression. Right. Well, and my, uh, my response to that is you, whenever somebody says you don't know how that feels, I, I always say, well, you don't know that I don't know how that feels. I'm just choosing <laughs> to not let it, I'm, not, I'm choosing not to camp out in that feeling. I'm just getting over it and moving on because I'm a big girl. <laughs> well, and let's put it prioritize here, too. I'm concerned about macro aggressions. That's first and foremost. If I'm worried about aggression at all, it's macro ones. Then we'll get to the micro when I clean up the rest. <laughs> right? Right. Let's put it in perspective. All right. Thanks so much for the call. All right. Let's go to Oklahoma. and Tammy, you're on the Glenn Beck program. How are you? Oh, hi. I'm just fine. Thank you. I was just telling the guy that answered, I just stormed out of a job that I was in for 30 years. It was a nonprofit government agency because of this exact thing. He man- somebody mansplained? Can you hear me? Yeah. Did somebody mansplain to you? Well, I don't know that it was that. I worked in a department with all men the whole time. So I put up with a lot of stuff that I didn't care about. And just like the woman ahead of you, I... You know, there's some things that women just need to blow off that when the department full of men start giving you all the work and they're on the Internet all day or let her be on the committee because she's a woman, but (laughs) let Tammy do it because she's a woman. And then you complain about it. And it it does go on here. And I kind of feel like you might be downplaying it just a little bit. Well, and I'm sure there are times when. Men are primarily around women, or a man is, or women, a woman primarily around men, where you get issues back and forth like that. Um, and I'm sure there are times when people treat each other poorly based on gender like they do everywhere else. I don't think it's epidemic, but this specific one where they say mansplaining, this whole term, Tammy, where they're saying that men, I guess at times, and I don't know how it rolls out, that's why I'm trying to get the information, where they just stop and have to explain something to you, honey. Did, did you oh, ever have well, that where they're that like, let me. to me a lot that, you know, I didn't, I didn't let them treat. The women need to stand up for themselves. Okay. You know, so a little on there. I'll can... give you that. What type of things would they have to explain to you? Well, they wouldn't have to explain it. They would try to say, well, you don't need to do it this way. It needs to be done that way. When I, I know, you know, if, if I'm a, I am a woman and I'm very smart and I know my job, Mm-hmm. So I don't need to be explained anything to you. I was there for 30 years, and I would let them know immediately. I always let everybody know that I that they were talking to me like that, and I personally nipped it in the bed. So I don't feel like women need a, a, a <laughs> place to call to gripe about it. They need to take care of it themselves. You know, and then oh. I finally just, yeah. I'd had enough of it because it did not change. And Maybe, okay, this, and Tammy, mentality. this is what I want to know. I need to know, and thank you so much for the call. Uh, 888-727-BECK. She's saying that, yeah, at times, men have had to, or thought they had to explain things to her, so she nipped it in the bag. And 
you know, women need to stand up for themselves. I'm just curious if there's more of that. I can't believe it. I've never seen it. Maybe I've been mansplaining this whole time. We'll come back and get some more of your calls to find out if this is made up or not. 888-727-BECK. It's the Glenn Beck Program. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. The Glenn Beck Program. I will be macho. Mercury. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Okay, talking about mansplaining. Shannon in the Buckeye State. Um, is mansplaining a thing? Is it not a thing? It's not a thing because women do it too. Female splaining, right? Yes, they do it too. It's, it's just somebody always thinks they know more than the other person. Of course, guys just call it bitchy. Right. I mean, that's what we just call it. But I mean, right, right. That's what you say. It's not, right? It is. So it's true. Do, do you female explain to people, your husband, friends, family members? Not on purpose. What type Once of things would you be inclined to mansplain? What type of things would you be inclined to mansplain, do you think? What, what issues? Um, things that are that need to be done around the house. I, yeah. This means fixed. That means fixed. I'm, I'm married to a maintenance man. He should mm-hmm. fix my stuff. And I'm guessing you also are going to probably explain how to fix it sometimes too, because it may not get done properly, right? Oh no, I'm just, I'm just picky about dishes. I do the dishes. That's my job. Mm-hmm. Everybody else leaves spots. I don't. All right, Thanks. now we got it. We got it. So female splaining is a thing too. Shannon, thank you so much. Appreciate you calling. Uh, tweets coming in. It's at Doc Thompson Show. Uh, constitutional drunk tweeting Doc Tom- at Doc Thompson Show. My girlfriend works for the mansplaining hotline. WTF? Apparently she does. Who knew? Actually, I thought it was my wife. So if you're telling me it's your girlfriend, that's fine. Uh, at Doc Thompson Show. Hashtag what I learned today. Doc is going to do extensive research into gender identification process. There's no truth to that rumor. Wayne Bud Rice tweeting uh, at Doc Thompson Show. Don't be so insensitive, Doc. The term mansplaining is offensive to trans and 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 those questioning. Okay, it could be possibly. It's a crazy world we live in. I'm just trying to figure it out. I just need the rules to trying to navigate the waters with as less as least amount of stress as possible. That's what I'm about. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck. The Glenn this Beck program is the Glenn Beck program. Mercury. Thompson in for Glenn today. Please follow me on Twitter at Doc Thompson Show. We're talking about mansplaining. I just want to know if it's real. Ladies, do you really go through this stuff? You know what manspreading is, right? Manspreading. That's when a guy sits like a guy and their knees are not together. You're on the subway and 
you kind of spread out there a little bit, right? Man spreading, there's a term for that. We used to just call it being a dude or to excess, you were just being a jerk. Or you just punch the guy and say, scoot over, right? I mean, this is what do I, now it's got to have a term and you got to do this thing. Chris pointed out to me, he said, imagine if you're somebody who thinks this mansplaining and manspreading and other stuff is going on all the time. Imagine the hell that these people go through. Because they don't just believe in that stuff. They believe in microaggressions and everything else. That all day long, every day, they're going through their life going, mansplaining, manspreading, microaggression, mansplaining, manspreading. All day long, this is what they must live with. There's a simpler solution. Go get medicated. That's my, that's my advice, because you're not going to stop all this stuff. I mean, we can work on it a little bit. I'll have the discussion, but it seems a little nutty. Oh, wait a minute. Yolanda in Texas. Wait a minute. Mansplaining's real? No, definitely not. Okay, first good. First of all, I just want to say I absolutely adore you. You're the one. We found her. Trace this call. <laughs> no, I think there's a few more. Every time I hear you, I'm always thinking something, and then you go and say it. I see. I, Yolanda, I am in touch. I have my finger on the pulse of humanity. <laughs> I want you to know that's, that's why I'm here. You, <laughs> you are the most open-minded respectful, patient person on the air right now. I mean... And you know why that is? Because Jeffy's around so much that you just, you learn to be so patient, you know? <laughs> and you've got some explaining to do. Okay. What, I, what is my explaining? I, I, I don't think it's a thing, only because, okay. I mean, come on, we're 2016. I mean, it should be a, a time where women are able to stand up and say what they you know, need to say that if there's a complaint, then they need to go to HR and, and report it, you know? That's why it kills me when I hear that women are still being sexually harassed today in the workplace. You know what, Yolanda, you're, you're right. I, I haven't taken it the other way. Think about this. If you are making exceptions for mansplaining hotlines and, and all of this stuff, what you're saying is, women, you need the help. You are lesser than. You and you're right, Yolanda, weaker, if you're a you woman. The weaker gender, exactly. And, and, you know, it's like, I think, too, we're just, we're, we're getting weaker as generation goes by. I mean, my mom was from the Depression days. Do you think the millennials now can, can, you know, withhold that? They, they, couldn't, they couldn't live through that. No, you're absolutely right. My, my grandparents, same way. My mom, my mom is mid-70s right now. This was a factory worker that... In the 70s, my mom rose to the ranks of a, a, a plant manager of a factory with a 10th grade education, mainly because she didn't take no crap from nobody. This is how exactly. it's going to be. We're going to get this stuff done. And then she came home and had that same attitude with us. I mean, exactly. this, is, this is what people did, you know. And, yeah, she got harassed all the time by stuff. She just, you know, shut them down. Right, right, yeah. My I mom mean, it's too. not nice she when these things happen, but you got to stand up for yourself. Exactly. And, and, you know, it, it's like w- women say they're stronger and, and you know, they, they speak their mind. Well, then why is this going on? I think it's just something that, like you say, you know, it's not so much that they need attention. It's just they need to put a label on everything. And I'm so tired oh, of that. Yep. You, were talking, you were talking earlier about the gender. I'm so frustrated with that. You're either a male <laughs> or a female. Why do we have to even argue about it? Why is there this big thing about it, you know? I, I just don't understand it. Sounds and like you're being very is- insensitive, Yolanda, very insensitive. 
That's what it oh. sounds like. And you're probably racist because of what you just said, even though it has nothing to do with race. And you're probably <laughs> wanting to kill the planet, too. I can hear it in your voice. Very insensitive. I do not recycle. <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a difference between a guy telling you in the workplace, telling you how to do something compared to what to do. You know, the, the, the woman before, she was saying, well, he'll tell me you got to do it this way. You gotta. That's telling me what to do, not explaining to me how to do something. I don't mind that you explain okay. how to do something, but if you put a honey and a sweetheart in there, then I'll get peed. That makes a lot of sense, Yolanda. Thanks so much for the call. Uh, Charles Gall tweeting at Doc Thompson Show. Would describing transgender issues be called transplaining? <laughs> possibly. Possibly. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Let's go to the Garden State now, New Jersey, Line 82. And Harriet, how are you? I'm just ducky. How about you, Doc? Doing fine. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, you too. Um, I, uh, I get mansplained on a regular basis. I think it's kind of a riot because I work in a <laughs> web development group and the guys are all like 30 and I'm 60 and I've been doing this for 20 years and I can talk right over them. <laughs> and um, it's just fun to watch them kind of shrink down. <laughs> okay, so, so how does this roll out when you think they're mansplaining, when it's based on gender? Um, well, well it, it, it's definitely, you know, I, I would be the first one to say, you know, it's not de- gender. It could be my age or whatever. Right. Except that there have been specific things like, um, you know, when we were getting split up into groups, suddenly somebody said, well, Harriet has to go over to that group over there because she's a woman and that way it's even. <laughs> Oh, good. We want it even. Lord knows it's got to be yeah, even based on gender. Sure the women are sprinkled evenly amongst the group. But um, <laughs> Wow. Okay. But, You're right. That does seem a little more gender driven. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the problem is that I'm the one who keeps calling people dear and honey. So, you know, because I'm older. So it tends to kind of spill out. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll bet you get age-splained, though, when it comes in your business. I'll uh-huh. bet they oh, all definitely. think they have it all figured out. They know better than you because it's tech, it's web, and you're old and they're young. That's right. And then add the female in there. And it's, I actually had somebody in, sitting in a meeting one time and say, don't you think we need somebody younger? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's fun. Was that a boss or was that a client or who was it? Uh, what was that? Was it a boss or a client? Uh, it or a... was a client. Yeah. Yeah, but wow. that's okay. They liked me by the time it was over. <laughs> yeah, I would think so because you're calling them deer and honey. I mean, that's, uh, I'm going to like that. That's good times right there. Anyway, uh, so I just wanted to add my, it does happen. It, it does, but it's kind of funny when it does. It's just sort of sad, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it doesn't last long if you know what you're doing. Uh, would you say more so than giving it a term like mansplaining, if, if you really want to be equal, then have confidence in yourself, express that, and when somebody treats you like you're not equal, it doesn't really matter I think, why you know, they're it, treating you that way. If somebody you just wants do your to job. feel superior, they're going to find some reason to do it, some way to do it. It could be because you're fatter or you're thinner or you're wearing glasses or your skin color is wrong or whatever. If they want to act superior, they're going to latch on to whatever it is that can make them feel like they deserve to. And it doesn't really matter what it is. All right. That sounds great. Have a great day. Appreciate it, Harry. Appreciate the call. All right. uh, Let's get some more tweets here again. It's at Doc Thompson Show. And by the way, if you want to connect with um, our Food Biz Pro, Patrick Mosier, the celebrity chef we had on earlier, a lot of people are uh, commenting and wanting to know again, tweeting at me saying, hey, who was that? It's at Food Biz Pro. Food biz, B-I-Z, pro, because he's in the food biz. He's also a professional 
Food Bizzer. And he also does consulting. So it's at Food Biz Pro for uh, celebrity uh, chef Patrick Mosier. And at Doc Thompson Show for me, um, a man having, uh, at Doc Thompson Show from Free Range Prisoner, a man having mansplaining explained to him by a woman who's womansplaining, or in other words, marriage. Okay, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. And then somebody else called me out for mansplaining to the woman who said, um, you got to nip it in the bag. And I, uh, I said, it's, it's Bud. And they called me out for mansplaining to her. I'm not sure that's mansplaining. I'm, that's like cliche-splaining. I'm just explaining what, a, what the cliche is, what the saying is. But they, I was doing it to a woman, so of course. This is the nonsense that's given us the attack from a, uh, the justice editor at uh, Think Progress tweeted out a bunch of tweets attacking Democrat Tim Ryan. Now, you know they're normally going to support the Democrats. Representative Tim Ryan from um, eastern Ohio, let's say Youngstown area, Trumbull County, that type. Uh, Tim Ryan is challenging Nancy Pelosi for the role of majority leader. Now, I'm not a Democrat. I don't support very many of their ideas. But Democrats, you really need to get rid of Nancy. She is dragging you down. You want to, I, I probably shouldn't tell him this, but you're going to do better off once you get rid of her. Seriously. She's been successful for you, sure. It's time to turn the page. Just friendly advice. So whether it's Tim Ryan or whoever else, I think it's probably a good thing for you. So Tim Ryan's going to challenge her. He knows that's right. And is basing it on the fact that so many people voted for Donald Trump because the economy is bad. They want jobs. They've got to do something different. And in his district and all across America... We keep telling people, you got to go to college. Don't, you know, take up a trade. You got to go to college. You got to learn computer skills. Or if you're older, we got to retrain you for one of these tech jobs. And he said, no, some of these people want to operate a backhoe. They want to be a blue collar worker and that's fine. And you can make good money and it's respectable. So that's the reason he's challenging her. But the fact that he is challenging her, they're saying it's sexist. No, they're not saying he had some inappropriate contact with an intern or something like that. Just the fact that he's challenging a woman makes it sexist. That's where we're at. You can't challenge anybody because of gender or you're sexist? So when does that change or will it ever? I look at it like this. If he's challenging Nancy Pelosi on the field of competition, doesn't that make her an equal If anything, she in some ways is superior because she has that position. She's coming from a position of authority over this guy. But their attitude is, no, no, that's sexist. And why? They know that's ridiculous. Because it's power. It's ultimately what it comes down to. A couple more calls here. Let's go to Nevada. I think we got Julian. How are you? Hey, good morning. Hi there. Hi there. So, uh... I think uh, mansplaining is what you have to do when you're talking to somebody who is a Hillary Clinton corruption denier. <laughs> okay, can you give me some more details here? Well, it's any any time you're talking to anybody who's who's, who's supporting Hillary's run. I mean, they, they oh, okay, they're they're uh, oblivious, and and they they just don't know the difference between right and wrong. Do you think that really goes on? Do you think there's that many dudes in the world that are going with the attitude of, okay, i got to explain it to this woman because she's a woman? Do you really think that's happening in today's world, Julian, well, on any I, grand I scale? I mansplaining is definitely, it is specifically from a man to a woman. But, right. But to, you know, because there are a lot of men out there who are Hillary Clinton corruption deniers. Oh, true. That is true. 
That is true. Thank you so much for the call. Appreciate it. So what happens if I'm just simply explaining something to another man? That's not mansplaining, right? Because I'm explaining it to a man. What if, or maybe it is, what if that person is actually secretly identifying as a woman? It's not outwardly transitioning yet. Always. So like, let's say 10 years ago, I'm hanging out with Bruce Jenner and I'm going, no, no, that's not how, no, this is what the, and I start explaining like the alternative minimum tax to him. And he goes, well, you know, inside I'm a, I'm identifying as a woman. Was I inadvertently mansplaining? Technically I was, but that's not on me, right? That's on her, him, it, Bruce Jenner, right? Man, it's so confusing. I think we need some sort of flow chart, some sort of guide that we can follow. This is way too confusing. That's my biggest problem with it. Keeping up with it, very, very difficult. Quick break in, back with more on this, the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Doc Thompson in for Glenn today. Thanks so much for joining me. Uh, a couple more tweets coming in. It's at Doc Thompson Show. Please follow me. And uh, that's really important for what we have coming up on Friday as well. Donna tweeting, the caller's right. Women in tech have had mansplaining for years. A great moment when we get to mansplain back their errors. That's good. That's good stuff. That's how you do it. That's right. Uh, Frank and PA, hashtag what I learned today. Mansplaining. I wouldn't have had to talk down to you if you'd get back in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Okay, you know what, but you may have to mansplain how to make the sandwich because everyone knows men are better chefs. I mean, that's just standard, right? That might be sexist, I'm not sure. Shields Maiden Mom tweeting, um, not only look, uh, not looking forward to I-95 traffic this afternoon. Yeah, uh, I'm going to be facing that as well. When I leave here, I'm going to be driving back to uh, northwest Arkansas, and from there I'm traveling for the holiday to northeastern Ohio to visit family and friends. Um, please have a really safe and happy holiday season, and uh, certainly as you're traveling for Thanksgiving, take a moment to really think about what you're thankful for. It's likely going to do you good in the long run. I know it's difficult this year. Uh, I automatically feel like I've been beaten up so much that the stuff I have to be thankful for is way down that list, but I'm going to spend some time thinking about that um, the next couple of days. Make sure to please join me Friday morning on this program, 9 a.m. to noon Eastern Time, at theblaze.com slash radio, the Glenn Beck program, because I'm going to give you free commercials on this program if you have a business. Tell your family and friends they must listen and call up and get some free air time. I'll explain why as we continue to build America. And remember that hashtag, Building America. If you follow me on Twitter, also look at the hashtag, Building America. And then anybody that we give some airtime to, if you're like, hey, I want to hear that product or I can't remember what it was, you can just go back through and figure it out that way. And if you don't make it on the air, just tweet with that hashtag Building America and people will see them within that search as well. Have yourself a great Thanksgiving. I'll see you Friday morning. It's Doc Thompson in for Glenn Beck, the Glenn Beck Program. This is the Glenn Beck Program.
program. Mercury.